so glad that you're here. Open up to Proverbs 29, 18. We have these slides that are going to be up for you. Somebody say vision. Amen. We have started the year by going through the vision of our church, Metro Praise International. So if you are new, this is going to be awesome for you to get into what we are on. And if you have been around for a while, this is review. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So if you're new, this is for you. And if you're old and you've been around and you're like, you, you know, you're like uh, got a little cobwebs, you can shake them off and get busy for Jesus. How many old timers do I have here that are still busy for Jesus? No cobwebs, no just like like putting it in neutral, working hard for the Lord. I feel like in our latter years, we don't retire, we refire. Come on, <laughs> I'm going to say that again. I don't want to retire, I want to refire. Guys, go to the first slide for me, please. Come on, man. And uh, everybody listen to this. Yesterday, I was chilling at my house. We were expecting some pizza, and my child ran up to my door and said, there's some people at the door. And I thought she said, there's some pizza at the door. That's what I thought she said. So I said, well, then open the door and get it. And then all of a sudden, I hear a man's voice and all of this talking going on, and I'm like, what is happening? So I walk over here, and this is like, to me, this was like a picture of heaven, y'all. This was a picture of heaven. I saw a young man and an older man there ready to preach the gospel to me. This local Baptist church, and oh, it just captured my heart within moments. They were like, yeah, we're from the Baptist church. We're going to tell you about Jesus. And I'm like, oh, yeah, tell me about Jesus. I know him. I love him. Let's talk about him. Come on in. Man, all I wanted to do was hang out with them and just spend time with them. I felt like the abominable snowman in like Bugs Bunny or Donald Duck, whatever, that old school cartoon. I just want to love him and hold him and hug him. And I was just, I just wasn't going to let him go. And then, I, you know, of course, I brought him in my house, almost kidnapped them, man, because they were just so adorable. I loved them. But then I was like, hold on, before you leave, I shook the, the older man's hand because I ended up finding out he was 78 years old. Uh, Andrew, would you help him in the back, please? So I went to go shake this man's hand, and I shook his hand, and I looked in his eyes, and I said, brother, how old are you? And he said, I am 78 years old. And I said, would you tell me why you still go through all of this? Why are you doing this? And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel some tears coming in my eyes. He had a little lisp like that. I'm telling you, I wish I would have recorded him, you know. And he was like, I just love seeing people go from death to life. Come to find out he was suffering from mild blindness, a limp, hard to walk. This man encouraged me. Brothers and sisters, we have a, a job to do, a world to win in Jesus' name. You are not too old. You are not too young. You are not unqualified. God has qualified you. God has called you. God has put his spirit on you. God has given you his power to be his witnesses in this last hour. Can I hear an amen? And that's what this church is about. And of course, I told him, I said, man, you got to come to the abortion clinic with us. And, and, I, and this, is what, this is what was amazing. You know real recognize real. Because I said, oh, we preach in Elgin too. We've been downtown at the farmer's market. And he goes, oh, I've seen you guys. And I'm like, oh, brother, if you know us, man, then you got to come down and grab the mic with us. And he was like, I'm a little scared, you know, because he's knocking on doors. He's used to that. He's not used to grabbing the mic. How many know that's a different vibe right there? And I'm like, brother, you come out there with us, man. We'll help you get the courage to do that. And so, brothers and sisters, we have a calling on our lives. Would you put up the videos that we had from yesterday at the Garfield Park? How many went out there? Can we bless the Lord for what happened at Garfield Park yesterday? Come on. 
Man, God is moving. We don't want to take this for granted. We don't want to just say, oh, this is the same old, same old. This ain't the same old, same old. I don't know about you, but I don't know too many churches hanging out in Garfield Park handing out pizzas on a Saturday. Can I hear an amen? I mean, I'm not saying we're the only ones. I'm just saying that's special. That's special to me to be able to see that. I wasn't able to make it. I mean, I wish I could go to all 20 of our outreaches every week, however many we have. Praise God. I went to the Monday one this week, and it wasn't that amazing, brother, out there preaching at Wicker Park. That was awesome. And so I was just, you know, chilling with my kids, like I said, talking to the Baptist yesterday, and I see these videos come up, and I'm like, that's what's up. We're reaching people in every different part of the city. And as they get this up, I want you to think about this. When we bring out that gospel truck, it doesn't say Chicago for Metro praise. It doesn't say the Catholics are in town. The Pentecostals are here. It says Chicago for, come on, what does it say Chicago for? Jesus, baby. I'm so cross-eyed. I'm happy. Anybody else cross-eyed today? I'm smiling for Jesus because I got the cross on my mind. I'm cross-eyed for Jesus. Everywhere I go, Paul said it like this. I choose to know nothing except the cross of Jesus Christ, him and him crucified. The gospel, as we're getting up these pictures to encourage you, brothers and sisters, make time as the weather starts to warm up. I know some of you are just coldy-woldy, and trust me, I can understand. I'm like, I'm like wondering what some of you are doing. We've got one of our brothers, Izzy, that comes out in short sleeves. Uh, you know, but for me, I'm like in two layers. I got hat on. I got my winter gloves on, and I'm just cold. I don't know why that changed, but this brother right there in the front, he's got his short sleeve shirt on and everything. And then go to the preaching video, please, when they were on the stage, because this, this encouraged me. Do you know that we had almost a 1,000 people view the video of us preaching yesterday at Garfield Park? Almost a 1,000. Man, it might be over a 1,000 now. And I'm thinking to myself, little us? Yes, because God loves to take those who are overlooked, those who are underqualified, those who are not noble by their birth, and then bring down the enemy because he says, devil, this is what I can do with a little boy and a, and a, and a, and a slingshot and a rock. Can I hear an amen? How many know that was a slingshot and a rock to the devil right there? I love seeing that right there, that pizza lined up. You know, you just got to imagine like that woman right there. She's got like her little thing going like, what is going on over here? Oh, man, Chicago for Jesus. All right, all right. I'm going to get a pizza. Come on, somebody. Man, would you just see? I want to see how many we're up to right now. I was amazed. I was showing this to, to Pastor uh, Juan because, you know, he's over on multimedia. And I was like, I was like, man, brother, this is, oh, we're at 1.6, uh, 1.6 thousand views. Can we give it up for Jesus? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I don't want to ever take this for granted. There's a preacher right there. Come on. How many are done with the one-man show preaching behind a pristine pulpit? How many want to be preachers of Pentecostal power out there in the public? Come on. <laughs> I, was, I was talking to somebody, and they're like, man, you put all those letters together. Yeah, when you preach for a while, you can do that. We don't want pimps in the pulpit. We don't want pimps behind the pristine pulpit. We want Pentecostal power-packed preachers in the public. Picking peppers with the... No, I'm kidding. Oh, 
Amen. Let's open up our Bibles back to those slides. You can follow in your Bibles. We have the slides up there. Proverbs 29, 18. We have started this year in division of the church because that's, this is what the church is doing. This is what we're doing. We're not saying we're the only ones. We're just saying that we're doing what God called us to do, and it's the only thing that he has put on our heart. In other words, we're not two-timing with other churches. We're not two-timing into different visions. This is the vision that God called me. We work together with other churches. God forbid we would ever be by ourselves, but this is what I'm saying. I only have one wife. How many are married here with one wife? As the Bible says, one wife. You need to be committed to your one church and to the one vision because if you have more than one vision, what do you have? Die vision. Come on, somebody. If you have more than one vision, what do you have? Division. Now, the body of Christ is made up of many parts, so I thank God for what New Life Covenant is doing. Chicago Tabernacle, Living Word, and all of these wonderful churches. Can I hear an amen for wonderful churches? And I thank God for your wife and your wife and your wife, but that's not my wife. Can I hear an amen? I thank God for those congregations, but that's not where I'm called to be. This is what I'm called to do. Can I hear an amen? And so for those of you who are looking for a local church to join, we pray that you join here and get in the vision. And if you come here and say, well, I like the way they did it over there, well, then go over there and do it. Oh, I like the way they did it. Well, then go over there. Don't bring division over here because this is what we're doing here. This is what we're doing here. And as I said, we're not the only ones, but this is the only one for me. I'm not now dipping over to First Baptist tomorrow trying to get a vision from them. I thank God that First Baptist, uh, uh, Northwest Baptist is the one that knocked on our doors. I thank God they came and did that. Amen? But I don't have the vision for women in skirts. I don't have the vision for King James only. How many ever met some Baptist folks before? These are fundamental Baptists. I don't have the vision for that. That's not my vision. My vision is like you see here that the Pentecostal power will come on sons and daughters and they will prophesy. Amen? That's what I'm about. That's what, that's what we're doing. Now, there's not a competition between the hand and the foot. So now you got to be careful with that. There, there's new life covenant there, and that may be a hand, and we may be the foot, or vice versa. It doesn't matter to me. So we're not in competition, but just the hand is not the foot. And each one's got to do what God called them to do. And so that's where I just want to talk to you this year as we start the new year off. It's what we are called to do. So look at Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I love what uh, Pastor Lauda said there. I already put it up in a meme. I was quick on it. You can find it on Facebook and share it right now. God did not give us laws to keep us from our best life, but to give us boundaries to have our best life. How many believe that? Can you put that up on Facebook? I know you guys are working overtime back there, but show what I already put up there because I'm not going to hear a word and let it pass me by. See, I'm going to use my influence to put out the word to people that I can influence. So my page is Metro Praise. So I'm going to boom, I'm going to drop it like it's hot right there. Amen? When you guys hear stuff like that, you need to put it in your notes. You need to put it on your wallpaper, on your Facebook. You need to find a way to get it out there because those kinds of words that God's be, you know, is delivering here, those are not trite. Those, th those are not minimal. Those are not things you say, oh, okay, that's not a big deal. That's a big deal. How many know that will change your life if you get a hold of that? Because there are times when you have heard God's law. Let's be honest right now. There are times you have heard God's law and you were not happy. <laughs> Come on, man. You have heard God's law before and have not been happy about it. He has told you to do something. He has told me to do something. Like the Bible says, husbands, do not go to bed angry with your wives or your prayers will not be heard. Mm, I don't want to hear that. She was wrong. I was right. I'm going to keep praying. I'm a Christian man. And I just hear the Lord going, nobody's home. Talk to the hand. Voicemail. But if you get the heart of God, if you have the Holy Spirit, you'll hear that law and you'll <laughs> that, that, 
frown will get cracked upside down, and it might hurt at first, but you'll begin to smile and be like, mm, okay, I'm not feeling Jesus like I used to. I need to go downstairs and say sorry to my wife in front of all my kids. Help me, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Honey, I'm wrong. How many know that would change your life if you understand this, this vibe right here? I'm talking about the vibrations of the Holy Spirit logos. In case you're new to our church and he's like, he's talking about vibes a lot. I'm talking about the logos of God, the word of God. You all tracking with me? I love using their words for the glory of God. Look at this. God didn't give you rules in the Bible to keep you from the best life, your best life, but to provide boundaries for your best life. If you believe that, can I hear an amen? Amen. That's just what we're talking about today. Thank you, Pastor Lauda, for sharing that. Going back to the notes, look at this. If you don't have a vision, you will perish. If you don't know what God is up to in your life, you will perish. You will lack the ability to sustain the life that God has given you. When I was single for 10 years, I had to have a vision of marriage. Otherwise, I was going to die on that vine. I was going to allow the temptation of perversion to eat me up on the inside. Because I can tell you what, I wasn't going to stay celibate for no reason. I wasn't going to stay celibate because it just felt good. You know, sometimes we try to lie to kids and people, you know, and sometimes we say, oh, it feels good. No, not everything you do in order for God feels good. How many know going to the gym does not always feel good? Oh, don't have me get you up right now and do some Holy Ghost aerobics. I will test the theory right now if you don't believe. It will be good to get your heart going for the next 20 minutes right now, but how many know it won't always feel good? Some of you will be like, I didn't come to church for this. Why is it messing with us? Uh, you know, but, it, but how many know it would be for your good? Get your heartbeat going. Get the blood circulating. Allow the sweat to cleanse out the toxins. It will be for your good, but it doesn't always feel good. And that's the problem in this world is we're attaching happiness. We're attaching happiness to our feelings. And the Bible says that he gives you a happiness that goes down deep in your soul, a joy that the world can't give you and the world can't take away. He gives you a peace that passes your understanding. Sometimes we think that God's going to give us a peace that we understand. That we're going to go to the funeral and the only way we're going to be at peace with such and such a person passing away out of our life is for God to explain the whole history of the world and how it works out. No, that's not going to happen. God is going to bypass you trying to understand how mom can pass away or brother can pass away or even son can pass away as we've had in this church. He is going to bypass that and give you peace that passes that understanding. That you receive it right now, down low, boom, you got it. Amen. And that's how it works. And that's why the Bible teaches us when you have no vision, you perish. So you got to get a vision, even if it doesn't make sense to you. Even if right now it seems to be impossible. Even if right now it seems like that is the most opposite thing that could come to pass. You have to trust in what God says. As we've talked about here throughout this time, because this is the introduction. Somebody say the introduction. Amen. This is still the introduction, but this has been a part of our sermon series here. And Joseph is one of our favorite characters in the Bible. God gives him a vision of leadership that transforms his entire heritage, his entire family. And yet, what, does ha what happens next in his life? Does, does he go right from having this vision to being in charge? No, he goes into a pit. And then into pit, he goes from the pit to the Potiphar's house as a slave. And then if it can't get any worse, somebody lies on him there. And then he goes from Potiphar's house to prison. And then he goes from what? Prison to Pharaoh's court to become a prince of Egypt. Can I hear an amen? 
Oftentimes, God gives us a vision, and it scares us. It makes us feel intimidated, and that's not what we're supposed to have. What we're supposed to have is an awe of how great and big our God is. We're not supposed to turn inward and say, oh, me, oh, my, I don't know if I can do this. Like, for example, when I sat down with my wife when we were dating, going through marriage counseling, and I said, baby, I want to have 12 kids. How many know at that moment her knees got a little weak? She didn't really feel the Holy Spirit anymore. She was not feeling anything of Jesus, but she had to trust the Lord that God had a way. Come on, somebody. And we're halfway there. We got half a dozen right now, six. And we'll adopt the rest if we have to, but we're getting to 12. Can I hear an amen? I'm getting there in Jesus' name. And my friend had 11. He got up to 11 by birth. Amen. And so I look at it like if she didn't understand what that would look like in that moment, that would make her afraid. But she had to trust the Lord that, okay, I see in the future having children. And now if you look at each one of them, they're so precious. And that's why every time when she got pregnant with the next one, I would always say to her, don't, don't let this the time of pain of pregnancy take away the joy of a child. Look back on the one that we already had. Look back on the one that we already had. Like when we had Joy, and now she was pregnant with Lucas, our sixth. And I would say, look back at Joy and see the joy set before you as Jesus had. And because of that, you can endure it. Can I hear an amen? We have to have a vision. And we have to be able to keep the law because we know it's obedience to God. We know it tests our heart. We know sometimes it doesn't feel good. But we know in the end we're going to be happy. We're going to sleep at peace. And I can thank God that throughout all the almost 30 years of Christianity, that no matter what people have said about me, no matter what's going on, you know, people making threats against us and even ups and downs in finances, I've been able to sleep at peace because my happiness is not attached to happenstance. My happiness is attached to the God that I serve. My situation does not dictate my identity. I am blessed no matter what the situation is. I am too blessed to be stressed because I've been blessed by the best. I don't got time for the rest. That's for you. That's <laughs> dropping bars on them today. I don't know what happened. I woke up with a little bit of the touch of my hip-hop past. I've been just touched with it today. Holy Ghost, help me. But, I, but I'm not just trying to entertain you. I know it's fun, and I know I'm just acting a little bit silly. But everybody track with me here. When you've been blessed by the best, you can't be stressed, and you don't have time for the rest. When, when people come to you while you're in that stage of formation and it looks like your vision is a comedy, it looks ridiculous, in those moments you have to stay focused on Jesus because you'll never realize that Jesus is all you got until he's all that you have. This church did not start with a place full on Sundays. It started with a Bible study with two and three people in printouts from my home office with a Bible study. Are you all tracking with me? It doesn't start like this for most of us. Most of us have to go through blood, sweat, and tears to see a marriage that we have today. To have children like we have today. I didn't even come out the womb like this. I came out rebellious. Getting in fights at school, high school dropout. What do you think that did to my mother's faith? 
and my father's faith. And yet they held on until I was 18 years old accepting Jesus Christ at their kitchen table. It was as if God said, oh, you have gone through too much to have this at an altar call with some evangelist you don't know. I'm bringing back that son who has cussed you out, stolen from you. I'm going to put him right at your kitchen table, and you're going to lead him into sinner's prayer. November 5th, 1995, my mama led me to Jesus. And within a few hours, my dad came home and had me kneel at the, the, the couch in the living room, and I got filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. I mean, it didn't happen overnight. It seemed like when my mom would pray, the worse I got. Anybody here today? Does anybody here have a vision that the more you seem to pray for it, the further it seems to go? We've been saying this vision from day one. This is how we started the church, putting out that we're going to see 100,000 disciples. I had gotten that number from John Wesley because that was what he had made in disciples in his whole lifetime throughout Europe and throughout America. And so my idea was if that's what God could do in one man's lifetime, God, could you do it in a city for us? And so, brothers and sisters, what is your vision? What are you setting your heart on, whether it's for this church and ministry and the things that you're a part of or for your life and for your job and for your family? If you're not putting God first, if you're not seeing that vision, you will perish. But if you see the vision, if you see the purpose for that job or for that college degree that you're getting or that trade that you're learning or that apprenticeship that you're going through, there will be a light at the end of that tunnel. There will be blessing and prosperity. And all along the way, you can keep your character. You don't have to lose it like Trump did where he loses his marriages and then he still says well I'm a self-made man. No you're a self-made mess. And it's, it's not like the world when they win the Grammy but they've got an STD along the way. You can have your success and your mind and your sanctification. Can I hear an amen today? I want to see people at the Super Bowl. I don't watch it, but I want to see people give glory to God in, in, that, in that endeavor because whatever we do, we do it unto God. Amen? Whether we win or lose in life according to the world standards, we win in eternity with Jesus Christ. Habakkuk said in chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, he said, write down the vision. This is God speaking to him. And make it plain on tablets or publicize it. Put it on your Facebook. Put it on your Instagram reel. Make it known to others what you want to do in life, what God has called you to do, that those who read it may run. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie, though it tarries. Wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. How many today have recorded their vision? You need to. We've been talking about this. You need to record your vision for your family. I wish I could put mine up right now, but it's on my personal uh, page that I keep for myself in my Canva. But I have all of my visions for 2024 written down because I want to see God do more in 2024 than I've ever seen before. I've set goals, and some of them are already multiplying and achieving more. I set a goal to put out a song with the church once a month, and already I've put out 16. Can I hear an amen? Like, I'm already blowing, like, two and three, four, five a month. Let's go ahead and just give them a little taste of the one we put out last night with Jerry. Somebody was like, this reminded me of Lady Gaga. Man, no, this is like Lady Jerry holiness unto the Lord. But it's got kind of that vibe to it. You can go to the YouTube page, Metro Praise International, or to our Facebook. But this is one of the things God told me to do. Because I used to make music when I was coming up in the faith. And I actually used to be a Christian rapper. I know that's kind of crazy. But today it may not be so crazy to believe because I've been dropping bars all over the place. Just having fun. But no, I, 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 love, I love music. Anybody else love music? No, I hate music. No, how many love music? Come on. And if you could make it, wouldn't you want to do it? 
even if nobody else listened to it, wouldn't that be beneficial? Some of you who make music, you know what I'm talking about. Well, this is one of those things. You get older, you have kids, you do other stuff, man. I mean, I don't have time to do this. But just later on in my life, right now, 47, God put this back on my plate. And so you know what I've been doing? I've been looking at other people in the church like Sister Sydney and Jerry and others, and I've been like, man, let's make music together. Let's put out these tracks that will encourage people because more than ever before, you have the opportunity to make music, put it out there, and have people get on it. You don't have to wait for the big studio. You don't have to pay big money. I, I, I was reading up on this, uh, rather watching a video on this one guy. He has over 200 million streams on his music, and he only pays $250 per song. How many know he did something right? Amen. You all ready for this? Come on, put it up. Make sure we feel that bass. Yeah, put that up. This is your pastor last night. What you doing on Saturday night? Praying and fasting? Kind of. Anybody here not the same anymore? Would you get on this track? Thank you, my brother. Let's give it up for Jerry. Well, I don't like that style. Okay, well, make your style then. This is the style I'm making. Seriously, man, like, I don't get it. Like, well, I don't want to jam to that. Okay, well, then put out what you want to jam to. I'll put it in the studio. But here's the whole idea is you just don't sit there and do nothing. Get up and do something for Jesus. Write it down. Make a plan. Now, having said that about the music, man, that's exploding. That's doing great. But there's other things that I have that are not taking off. I also do reaction videos on YouTube. I think it's got like 20 views, you know, and I spend all this time doing it. But, you know, the Lord put it on my heart because I do all these teaching videos, and you see me preach and all of this, but I wanted you to see my personality when I react to stuff and how I am when I'm like 9 to 5, you know, like most of the day. I'm only preaching for like an hour or two a week. Is everybody tracking with me? How many know the rest of the day I'm chilling just like y'all? So, I, you know, I wanted to make this, you know, this kind of video platform because, you know, everybody's reacting to stuff. My kids always have these reactions on there, and I'm like, man, I could do that. I could do that. So I, I, I started making these reaction videos where I put up these silly things, but then I always turn it to Jesus, you know. It's like, look at this silly thing that just happened. Now think about Jesus. Look at this. Think about Jesus. And then I ask people at the end, what do you believe? Because this is what I believe. I can see Jesus in all of these things, you know. And, and that, that's not taking off, you know. That's got like 20 views. But here's the deal. I made a commitment that I was going to put that out for the next year. Can I hear an amen to commitment? Now, whether you like it, anybody else likes it, I got to be committed to that because I felt the Lord put that in my heart. The way I look at it is, as a farmer goes out and just doesn't just sow one seed, how many they, they know they throw out multiple seeds? Come on, somebody say multiple seeds. Man, you've got to throw out multiple seeds. I hope that you're doing that this year. And, and then you can look at the, the things that God puts his hand on and that he's blessing. Maybe some of you say, I want to have multiple streams of income. So you're trying to open up a Shopify or you're trying to sell uh, vitamins or whatever else is going online or be a health coach you know these kinds of things and then you can see what God is blessing and then the others of you say well I want to go out and win souls because those who win souls are wise but then you want to check out this grocery store parking lot or maybe go over here door to door and you want to start experimenting as you're throwing out the seed to see where the harvest is the Bible says lastly in Proverbs 21 5 the plans of the diligent lead to what the plans of the diligent lead to what? Profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. So going to the next slide, please. What are the three things in summary? Number one, you got to have a vision. you got to get a vision from the Lord because if you don't have a vision from God, you're going to perish. Number two, you record down that vision. You share it with others. And then number three, you make plans. Somebody say make plans. 
to bring about the vision. Come on, somebody say, we make plans to bring about the vision. Now, I can only give you what I have to give you in church today. I can't give you a vision for your job. I can't give you a vision for your family. I don't know your family like that. So you need to go home and do that. That's why I've made this introduction the way that I've done it every single week. This is like your Tony Robinson or Tony Little, whatever that guy, that motivational speaker is. Is it Tony Robinson or Tony Little? Tony Robinson. I think Tony Little is another guy. But listen, man, I, I, I give you this motivation right here because I believe in what I'm about ready to talk to you about. This is our vision. This is waving on a flag right here for you to see every time you come in. I'm passionate about this. This is not only my, my job. This is my religion. This is what I believe. I mean, this is everything wrapped up in one. But I understand that when you go outside of these doors, you have other things you have to do. You cannot just be leading a Bible study every day to bring about 100,000 disciples. You cannot just be preaching in Garfield Park because how many know if everybody just went out all the time preaching in Garfield Park, we wouldn't have gas to put in the truck. At, at some point, somebody got to make money to put gas in that truck. Amen. We're not just going to go out and get little Caesars based on a prayer. You know, hey guys, we want to, you know, little Caesar, listen, we want to give your food out today and uh, can you give it to us, please? We'll pray for you. How many know that will only work for so long? So all of us, including myself, have to do something in this world to produce an income so that we can give it to God and to his glory. And that's why when we learn about tithes and offerings, I would rather give God 10% and the 90% be blessed than the 100% be kept and be cursed. Well, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. How much curses do you want in your life? And then people talk to me all the time, even from Christian backgrounds. They're like, I don't believe that. Okay, you don't believe that, and you can see how that goes in your life. But I have never met a tither who puts God first that is not thankful for the covenant and the agreement that they made with God. God has always given us more than enough. I have never met a tither that said, oh, I hate this tithing stuff. I've never met them. I, I'm just being honest with you. Almost 30 years in Christianity, even being raised in a Christian family, I have seen God show up and show off too many times to try to get out of that because for some reason I don't understand it. No, I get it. It's clear to me. I'm obedient to it, and I've seen God bless me throughout the years. To this point now, and I don't say this to brag in Jesus, please don't take away my reward, but I just want to encourage the church right now. I'm up to 15%. Can I hear an amen? I'm not saying you have to go to 15%. I'm just saying God told me, Joe, if you want to put some millies on the board in your day trade and you better start giving like you are blessed right now. And I said, what should I give? And he said, give me 15% and watch what I'll do. Amen. And some of y'all don't know much about that, but I also trade on the side and I'm believing God to make me a millionaire through trading. If I can do it, I'm going to bless the church. I'm going to give as much as I can away. And right now I'm getting closer than I've ever been before. And this is not an infomercial for my trading techniques, but God has been showing up over the last few months. Can I hear an amen? But I had to give. That's what God told me. Now, man, I follow guys that are millionaires, and they don't give a rip about a tithe. They spend it on their Lambos. They spend it on all of that. But you know what? They're also stressed out. One of the guys I followed, he's already sleeping in a hotel. He's lost his marriage and his kids. You see, the Bible says he gives you wealth, and he gives you no trouble with it. The love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. But if you're blessed by the best and you're seeking forth the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Can I hear an amen? I'm coming up like Chick-fil-A, not like McDonald's, if you know the difference. 
If anybody's watched the Netflix show on The Founder, you'll see how scammy and schemy that guy from McDonald's was that took over that business and then manipulated it and then cheated on his wife. I mean, it's a, it's a horror story, but it was successful. But the Bible says if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, you're still a fool in the end. But I'm coming up like Chick-fil-A. I'm coming up with my family. I'm coming up with integrity. I'm coming up with blessings on blessings on blessings on blessings. Amen. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Y'all ready for the message now? We're going to learn to love God and love people. Sometimes people make fun of the way we did the graphic here. They're like, love God and in people. <laughs> I know you can read it like that, and maybe you should tell me to change it because I was the graphic designer on this one. But I was like, ah, I'm drawing it a bunch of different ways, so I kind of love this. So the way it's, I, I like this. So the way it's supposed to be is loving, and then God, and then loving people. You guys tracking with me? All right, let's go to the next slide, please. Brothers and sisters, in the book of Mark, Jesus is asked, what are the greatest commandments? Mark 12, 30. He said, love the Lord your God with some of your heart on Sunday. Is that what he said? Uh, just with your religious parts of you. No, he said, love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart and with all your what? Soul and with all your what? Mind and with all your strength. Anytime somebody tries to divorce one of these things from the love of God, you have an incomplete faith. The love of God will capture your emotions. The love of God, I don't care who you are, as masculine as you are. You can be as masculine as Brock Lesnar or the toughest guy, Mike Tyson, whoever you can think of right now, brothers and sisters. But the love of God will break your heart. It will touch you in ways that you have never been touched before, and it will heal you from all of your trauma and all of the triggers and the things that you have gone through. What therapists are now paying $150 an hour for, Jesus can do in one moment of his love. I'm not saying we don't need therapists. I'm thankful for them, but just remember statistics say your therapist has a therapist. Remember, I've taught you that here. Therapists are one of the highest de depression rates and suicide rates out of any occupation. It's good what they do, but you have to understand this. In therapy, if they're not pointing you to Jesus Christ, they're pointing you to a well that will run dry. But if they point you in gospel therapy, in gospel counsel, using medicine as well, if that is needed, if they're pointing you to Jesus, you will come to a well that turns into a river that springs up joy and peace in your soul. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says when he comes into your heart, it will transform you from having a hard heart like a rock and a stone on the inside of you to having a soft heart. Was anybody here last week when Brother Anthony came? Did anybody see my heart get melted in the presence of the Lord? What was happening in my heart was just a few moments before he even ended. I went to my knees. I started weeping because God was giving me a heart for the lost again. He was preaching about standing between the living and the dead as Moses and Aaron had to stop the plague of that time. And then he told that story about being in New Orleans, seeing a young man get gunned down in the projects as they were preaching and how they were standing between the spiritually dead and the actual dead preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And within moments, moments, my heart started melting in the presence of the Lord. I couldn't even wait for the altar call. My face went down onto the, 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 the podium there, and I just started weeping in God's presence. Why? Because when you love God, you'll get touched with God's heart. 
You'll understand God's emotions. There are things that make God uh, angry. There are things that make him mad. There are things that make him glad. There's things that God loves, and there's things that God hates. And your heart will start to go towards that. How many didn't have to hear a sermon on abortion, but after you got saved, just something rose up in you to hate the murder of that unborn child? No one, listen to me, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a church like this. It was a good church, and they would at times do things in the pro-life ministry, but I didn't grow up in a church where it was in the forefront like it is here. And I can just tell you what, after being saved within a few uh, days, running into somebody, and I don't know how the debate came up, I was pro-life preaching it like I had been my entire life, and I hadn't even heard a sermon on it. It just made sense. And you have to understand, I'm still at this stage of my life where I wonder if somebody's going to knock on my door, be about 20-something years old, and go, Dad, are you all listening to me? This preacher didn't always live right. I had illicit sex, and I would have had an abortion real quick with that young lady. And I'm telling you, it will not surprise me, so please don't judge me if I have to show up with a 20-something-year-old young man that says, I'm your son or I'm your daughter. Hello. But listen to me. The moment I got saved, something changed in my heart to understand about humanity. And sometimes they say, well, well, well what about once they're born? I mean, what about the foster commitment? All of that. I'll do all of it. What, what more can I do? I'm trying to do as much as I can. But let's not murder the child. We're, we're at the point right now where we're trying to figure out how to put somebody on Mars. Dear God, I think we can find a solution to this problem that doesn't come to murder. Right? Like, like that's not what we do with any other problem. Oh, we got these troubled kids in the inner city. Hello, ma'am, I just want to offer up my suggestion at city council. Why don't we just kill them all? How many know that would just be the most insane idea? How many know that would just get struck down real quick? Or how about this? Uh, yes, I, I know that we have a lot of corruption right now in our businesses. I just got an idea. Let's just murder all the CEOs. How many know if somebody suggested that at a city council meeting, that would just be insane? But yet we're saying we have mothers with maybe unwanted pregnancies. We get it. Maybe it was, you know, something you weren't planning on. We get all of that. Somebody say we get it. But what we are saying clearly is murdering the children is not the solution we're going with. We should all look to that person like the oompa loompa that they are and pray for them. Because like Mr. T said, I pity the fool. Well, I have a solution to unwanted children, and let's just kill them all. You fool. We're not doing that in Jesus' name. Well, will you adopt them? Yes, I'm ready to adopt them. Come on, somebody. There's a million. Look it up right now. There's a million parents waiting to adopt baby newborns right now. The foster care is its own mess for three different reasons. You're dealing with the government, you're dealing with parents in trouble, and you're dealing with the foster parents trying to do their, 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 their place to help. When you talk about the abortion, that's not foster care. That is an immediate need that's being ready to be met right now by a million parents on waiting lists to the point where they have to go to Africa to, ab to adopt a child because it's cheaper, cheaper and easier that way. Are you all listening to me? When God's love gets inside of you, it changes your heart. That's why I didn't want to fight like I used to when I first got saved. When I first got saved, man, I would let people do me wrong in ways that I had never been done wrong before. And I, once again, I'm not saying I was the toughest on the block. I've got black eyes before. Are you listening to me? I've got pinned down before, bullied and all that. I'm just saying there was a certain line that you didn't cross with me as an 18-year-old when I was out there doing those kinds of things. But I remember putting up with people, forgiving people, moving on from situations. And I wish I could say the last fight I got into was when I was a sinner. But I did get into one last one as 
as a Christian. Come on, come on. Can I hear somebody say God's working on him? Amen. I mean, let's just be honest. Some of you had to have some work done on you even after you became a Christian, right? Let's just make that clear. But it wasn't like last week, okay? It was like a few months after I became a Christian. I got saved in November, and my last fight was in the summer. Did you all want to hear about this last fight? No, we'll move on. I'm kidding. The bottom line was I was on a job. I was put in charge. This guy didn't like me, and we got into an argument, and he swung at me, and then I, I wrestled him down. And while I did, I was speaking in tongues. I was speaking it. I'll be honest with you. I was like, I'm going to put in my Jesus stuff into this stuff right now and see how this works. I did win, but I didn't hurt him. But I got, like I said, I got a shiner in the eye, and I had to go to church that day. And I've told you guys this story, but it's just funny because, like, when has anybody, like, like in this church, I can't even think of it, come to our church with a black eye, you know? So I'm showing up to my church Bible study with a black eye, and they already think I'm crazy because they know my past, you know? Well, what happened to Joe? And I have to tell them the story. And I just remember them saying, go to the altar and let Jesus touch you. And how many know I haven't gotten a fight? since 96. Jesus touched me. Oh, he touched me. Yes, God touched me. He'll change your heart. Look at this. He'll change your soul. That's your inner affections towards things. The Bible says the lust of the eyes, the, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is what the world wants you to have. It's what the world draws you towards. It's what the devil tempts you with. Look at the lust, you know. Look at what you get out of this. Look at the pride you get from this. But the Bible says that passes away. But those who have the love of the Father never pass away. Amen? And so your inner, your inner desires change. Instead of lusting after power, lusting after money, lusting after sex, you begin to desire the things of God. Can I hear an amen that has some desires change on the inside? That's why I don't want to mess with some of you new church people here. We love you. But I do have to ask you from time to time, are you really saved? Because you might just be religious. Because when I talk like this, sometimes people say, well, well pastor, I don't feel that my desires have changed. I haven't felt that I've heard the voice of God in the way you describe. Well, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Okay? And so this doesn't mean you can't be saved, but it's a question for you. Are you really saved? Because if you were really saved, you would know what you're saved from, and you would know that there's been an inner change in the desire. And listen, I no more changed myself to stop desiring pornography, stop desiring drunkenness, than I could right now change myself into a bird, flap my wings, and fly out of this room. Does everybody get that? You can't change yourself in that way. That's why I always keep up with these gurus because they come in season for a little bit and that's why you got to be careful about who you're sharing. This one is called Oshu and people share him and then before you know it, man, they're having sex with 10 women, having Lamborghinis and it's like, well, I thought this was a good positive self-help message. No, you were in a cult, baby. You gave up Jesus for a person that wanted you to do nightly duty. I'm being honest with you. Because they think in the new age, well, we can get these same kinds of things. Track with those new age folks for a little bit and see how their life ends in disaster. Blind leading the blind. True desire does not change because you went to a mountaintop, meditated upon nothingness, and then tried to walk on rice paper and then did the crooked chicken. The desires of the soul change when your soul is reborn in the presence of God. Can I hear an amen to that? I have followed people for a long time, whether they're famous celebrities or just people in my life. And I'm telling you, the only thing that can change the human soul is Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ will change your inner desires. That's why we've never had to teach up here how transgender folks can go from being transgender to the gender God called them to be. I don't teach on that like 10 steps to that. I, I've never taught on how drug addicts can become free from their addiction because they're wanting to say that that's part of their DNA now too, that I'm born an addict. You all heard that? I've never had to teach 10 steps for freedom for pornography. How many can attest to that? You've never heard me talk about 10 steps free from pornography. But how many know in this church by the power of Jesus Christ we've seen transgenders change, homosexual, lesbian, bisexuals change. We've seen addicts change and set free. We've seen porn addicts become pure in their heart to Jesus. And there's never been a 10 step program ever given but one step to Jesus Christ. And if it worked for me, it will work for you. Well, I've tried it and it hasn't worked. Keep trying. Keep reaching out. The Bible literally tells you what to do in that situation. Keep knocking and the door will be answered. Keep seeking and you shall find. Keep asking and you shall receive. I don't know what's standing between you and God in that transformation today, but I can tell you if you just keep on knocking, if you keep on asking and you keep on waiting. That's the problem that we have too often. People want change in their soul, but they'll give more to their yoga class than they will to this altar, and that's a shame on this generation. We need to spend as much time in this altar as you do in goat yoga. They got goat yoga by my house now, brother. You know it's a mostly all-white population where I'm at. Ain't nobody putting that in Garfield Park. A goat? Yes, in my neighborhood. Goat yoga. This is how worldly the people have become. Well, I guess we'll try it, Barbara. You want to come? Okay, let's give it a shot, Linda. Goats running around, pooping all over the floor. I'm serious. This is what people are going to for help. And then they wonder why they're still busted and disgusted. They need to come back to the faith of their forefathers. To the faith that says, my disciples know the truth and the truth makes them free. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. That's what we need to go back to. That's why when those Baptists knocked at my door, I even went to the neighbor. And as they rang on the door, my neighbor's Hindu, nice people, I love them. But as they came to the door, I had to assist and, and do, you know, do an assist there, you know, as they do in basketball. And I had to assist those young men and that young man and that older man. And I said to my neighbor, I said, listen to them. They are Christians. They're going to tell you the way of salvation. Because I know my Hindu friends and my Hindu neighbors don't have what Jesus Christ offers. Somebody say, love God with your heart, win with your soul. And somebody say, and my mind. I'm tired of Christians acting like they're stupid. We're the ones that started colleges. We're the ones that invented the entire scientific endeavor. It was founded by Christians. It's time for us to take back the schools, the universities, and all of the scientists and say, thank you very much. This is founded on the word of God. God said in the beginning let there be the heavens and the earth. Scientists are still trying to figure out where they came from. I know where they came from and I know him personally and he lives in my heart and he gives me the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Woo. I'm so excited with you guys right now. Are you ready? I'm ready to love God and love people. I'm preaching myself happy. How can I talk about this and not be excited, man? 
This is it. Like, they, they, like our sister said, you guys, you know, they're celebrating Super Bowl, whatever. Ours is at baptism. And in one sense, for me, it's like every Sunday, man. This is game day. This is win souls day. Let's change the world day. I look at each one of your lives and many of your stories, and it just, just is a testimony to me, your courage, your tenacity, how you're here. I mean, let me just stop and pause a little bit. Sister Jocelyn, would you raise your hand? We have her preaching at UIC, seeing this young man get saved, and now within a few years, they're in a serious relationship. That's only God. You know what I'm saying? That's only God. How does that even happen? And it would be one thing if he came for her at the beginning to hunt her down, but that wasn't even, he came in a relationship. And then God separated from that person. And over time, he fell in love more and more with Jesus. And then they looked at each other, and I don't know how it happened, but it was like, oh, God brought you for me. Yeah, I was here for you. This was meant to be. This is not an accident. Looking at Brother Juan's testimony coming through his brother. Looking at how his brother was touched and then Juan was touched. And then Juan brings Brother Calvin. Can we give it up for a triple threat on the devil today? How God just keeps moving, touching people's lives. This is what happens in church. People's lives are changed. There's a reason today I'm standing here now waking up with a hangover, getting ready to go to the local bar to watch Super Bowl. Jesus Christ changed my life. He's changed yours. It's real. And it happens also in the mind. Sometimes we think this is just faith stuff. And it's, it's, it's really like spiritual and ethereal. And you don't have to be logical about it. And it's just stuff we believe like fairy tales and make-believe. That is not Christianity. Christianity has been based upon the truth of God's word from moment one. When the early founders of our faith, when you talk even about Abraham and Moses and so forth, they were not given just random words from God to believe just to trust them in random ways. I could go through every one of their stories that we think sometimes don't make any sense, and they made perfect sense to the God that was orchestrating his logical plan through their lives. The idea is this, though, is that my mind does not always understand his mind. That does not mean God is irrational or illogical or that faith and logic are opposed. It just means that I am limited to understand what's happening behind the veil. Can I get an amen to that? And what blows my mind is that scientists do that all the time and call that their endeavor of faith, but they mock our endeavor of faith. So you ask them, where do we all come from? And they say, what? The Big Bang. Can you all help me preach? Pretend you've been in this church before. So we ask them where they came from, and what do they say? The Big. And then we ask them who banged it, and then now they're done. How many know they're done? They're done. They don't have anything else but faith now. Well, I just know it banged, and I believe it banged because we're all here, and I just know it worked somehow, somewhere over the rainbow. In the beginning, God. There's your answer. Oh, you're just a silly Christian. You just play make-believe. No, I just gave you the answer to the equation you didn't have an answer for. I just said X equals God. What is illogical about that? Show me something coming from nothing, and then we'll talk. And then they say the same thing about Jesus raising from the dead. Oh, man, how can somebody raise from the dead? Well, if he made the place, how many know he can do whatever he wants? I've shared this with you so many times because people don't use their mind when it comes to God. And they get the Noah's Ark understanding of Christianity. And then they go out there to the university and they get rocked by a few people. And they think that's really smart. That's not really smart. That's really dumb. What we're teaching you is actually the foundation of all wisdom. Can I hear an amen? 
And this is the example that I give you all the time. How many know there's been many movies where people have died and the heroes come back to life? You know why? Because they can do what they want in a CGI film. This is God's CGI. This is God's virtual reality. I've played Halo and come back to life 30 times in one day trying to beat a level. You're telling me God can't come back to life in the video game we call life? What he made? This is his world. And then they say you can't move your, you, you can't, with your faith, you can't move mountains. And yet we watch movies with CGI moving mountains all the time. How many know what I'm talking about? Thanos could slap his fingers, snap his fingers, and everything turned to dust, and we don't believe God can do that. Man, who do you think made this place? We're in God's pixels. We're in God's game. This is God's life. Otherwise, where did it come from? Back to question one, Jack. And so when we're talking about loving God with all of our mind, brothers and sisters, we're talking about explorers. And now I'm not saying everything they did was right when they landed on the land. I'm just saying explorers trusted God when they went on ships and didn't know where the earth ended. I'm talking about people going into space quoting Bible verses. I'm talking about astronauts. Are you listening to me? I'm talking about people who invented everything that we use today and have as the basis of our modern scientific method going, hey, I don't understand it all. Sir Isaac Newton said, I don't understand it all, but science is understanding the mind of God, and I'm getting closer and closer and closer. He wrote more. Newton wrote more about God than he did about physics. Can somebody say, oh, snap. Yeah, but your physics teacher doesn't want to teach you that, do they? They want to make it look like we're all from the south. And by the way, just because you have an accent doesn't mean you're dumb. Are you listening to me? But they all want to say, you're from the south. you stupid. You don't know. Man, we invented this thing. It belongs to the Christian, and we need to love God with all of our minds. So go to your job and say, Holy Ghost, fill me with your mind for my job. Holy Ghost, give me inventive ideas. How many know when Daniel was in Babylon, he was a blessed governor? I said, how many know he was a blessed governor? They hated on him so much, the only way they could take his job is to get him to stop praying. And how many know he didn't stop praying? They went and snuck around and said, well, I know how we can get Daniel's job. Let's get him to stop praying and say, well, you can only pray to the emperor. You know, you can only pray to the guy in charge. So the guy in charge signed it, not understanding that it was going to be bad for Daniel. And then they, they went to Daniel, and they're like, Daniel, what are you going to do now? And I can just imagine Daniel going, now watch me. Watch what I'm going to do. Watch me right here. Heavenly Father, I pray to you right now what y'all going to do about it. Are you listening to me? The whole Babylonian empires bowing down to those statues like we bow down to Grammys. And they were standing up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, we won't bow. And the king got so mad and said, throw them into the furnace of fire. But not just that, make it so hot that they'll evaporate the moment they get in there. And as they were putting on that fire, it got so hot that the workers started to burn. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said back to that king, listen here, king, whether or not we make it out of this, that's up to God. But understand. Understand this, we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's our God. We're ready. And as they throw him in there, what happens? That emperor says, oh, man, how many did we, did we throw in there? Because I see four, and the fourth one in the fire looks like the Son of God. Daniel got up from hanging out with lions and said, thank you, Jesus. I'm ready to come out. And the moment they threw his enemies into those lions, ate them up. I serve a God. That may not make sense to our carnal, limited logic and understanding. But I serve a God who transcends our understanding. Who has it all worked out. Who says, trust me, I got you, bro. Slap somebody high five and say, trust him. He's got you, bro. He's got you, sis. And then you love God with all your what? The last one, you love God with all your what? Your strength. We've had enough obese Christians. We've had enough uh, people in the church overweight. We need to get back in not only physical shape, but spiritual shape. 
One preacher said, I was taught when I was a kid, the only things I'm allowed to do is eat food and go to church. That's why I became a fat preacher. Look, preacher's joke there. My friend told me that. I'm like, that, that's funny. That is funny because that's a lot of what we all do. We go to church and eat, and that's why we're fat and all. But listen, I see some of y'all join the church, and you put on the church 15 pounds. You need to stop doing that because you're like, I used to go to the gym to try to keep up with the girls and everything. Now I just love Jesus, go to Bible study. And I've been there. But get in spiritual shape and physical shape at the same time. But listen, brothers and sisters, the strength that we're talking about here goes beyond even your natural strength. We're talking about a strength in the midnight hour to get up and pray when you don't feel like to pray, but you know you need to pray. Anybody ever been there before? I'm talking about you get up and you say, Jesus, help me pray right now because my flesh is weak, but my spirit is willing. I'm talking about you having the strength to resist temptation when everybody around you may be falling. The Bible describes a picture like this. Get this in your mind, and I can see it even in my friends' lives. Though a thousand and fall at one side and 10,000 at the other. The destruction shall not come nigh me. You got to have strength to make it and God will give it to you beyond your own abilities. I remember when I was quitting smoking and back then it wasn't vaping smelling like cotton candy. How many know what I'm talking about? Marlboros and Camel and that stuff that we got told we couldn't bring into restaurants anymore but there used to be smoking sections, you know. I just don't know what happened. Man. I don't know if I lost my mind, but I walked into a restaurant the other day, and I said, non-smoking, please. I don't know. I'm getting old. I'm getting old, brother. I know it happened. It's so sad. I know you don't think I did it, but I actually did. I was like, non-smoking. I don't know what, what world I entered into. I don't know how that felt normal. I mean, I feel like I'm saying some silly stuff now at 47. So anyways, I said non-smoking. They're like, the whole place is non-smoking, dude. Just find a seat. <laughs> But I remember coming to the Lord because I had started smoking when I was 11 years old. I stole my sister's cigarette. She, I didn't live with her, but she would come and visit. And this is how nasty it is. Somebody say nasty. Most of us developed our habits out of nastiness. Those who become addicted to sex, think about the first time you had sex. It was probably nasty. Those of you who became addicted to pornography, think about that. It was nasty. My friend stole it from his dad, and then we saw it was nasty. Even to most of us, sin, it tastes nasty to begin with. Alcohol tasted nasty. Drugs tasted nasty. I remember smoking weed the first time. I'm like, this is nasty. Alcohol. I mean, and this is what I did for cigarettes. And nobody getting ideas here, okay, because we forbid this in Jesus' name. Everybody say freedom. But I went to my sister's ashtray and took out the butts. Anybody ever seen a cigarette butt? Even had her lipstick, lipstick stain on the cigarette. And me and my friend in fifth grade, 11 years old, straightened it out, lit it up, and started smoking and literally coughing our whole lungs up. But we went back for it. Think about how much time and attention and strength you gave to the devil to become good at sinning. And now you all come to church and say, it didn't work. Now you haven't worked it. I'm going to say it again. If you work the word, it will work for you. You gave more time working and twerking for the devil than you did for Jesus. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest because I had to work at becoming a smoker. My lungs rejected smoke about the first whole month. I didn't know how to do it. It messed me up. It gave me a headache. I even remember going home and puking after trying to do it until I finally became the sinner that could smoke a pack a day by the time I was 18 years old. By the time I was 18, I had smoked seven years. And yet God told me the day I got saved, it's over. And I said, but I don't think so, God. I'm going to heaven now. Everything is cool. No drugs. I'm good. Seriously, I kept smoking as a Christian. 
Y'all looking at me like you're so sanctified. Anybody ever kept, kept sinning after being a Christian? Can we just keep it real for a few moments here? <clears throat> so I'm out with my friend from Bible college, and I light up in front of him while we're eating. And he goes, what are you doing? This is how, just how naive I was. I said, I'm smoking, man. What do you mean? He goes, you're not supposed to smoke as a Christian. And the old saying is like this. It won't send you to hell, but it'll make you smell like you've been there. Okay, now it will make you smell like you've been to the carnival. Okay, as I always say that joke in my, you know, because whenever I'm out in public now, I'm like, cotton candy? What is going on? Because I just love cotton candy. Then all of a sudden I look over here, somebody's vaping, and it comes out, it's cotton candy, right? So he said, man, you're not supposed to smoke. You're supposed to be free. You're not supposed to be addicted to anything, man. You're addicted to this. I know you because, you know, he had known me for a while, even as a sinner. And he's like, I know you. You need to be free from this. And then I was just naive. I was like, all right, I want to be free from it. Let's go. So I, I, I prayed with him. And then as I was driving home, I took one of the cigarette packs that I had, and I just threw it out the window. Just littered. I didn't care. I, was, I mean, you should care. But back then, I didn't care. So I'm driving home. And I just remember, I'm like, I will never smoke again in Jesus' name. And I threw the pack out the window. And that night I go to work, somebody was smoking at work, and then guess what? I asked to bum a cigarette, and I started smoking again. You see, what happened there is I had an idea in my head of what I wanted to do, but I had not yet received it in my heart and given the supernatural strength from God. Now, you would think that this shouldn't bother me too much, right? I mean, at least you're going to church, Joe. You're loving Jesus. I even know some pastors and deacons that smoke. Are you listening to me? I'm being honest with you. Where's, where's Andrew at? Remember we were rock climbing? We saw some pastors from one of those suburban churches smoking, and we thought we had to witness to them because we thought they were unsaved, but then they told us they were pastors. <laughs> we're like, what in the world kind of pastor are you? And then they told us their church, and we go, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and that pastor ended up getting exposed. I'm not getting into him right now. This is Jesus' time, amen? But I went, I went on my knees, and I've told this story before, but I want to encourage somebody because somebody say strength. God will give you strength. I went on my knees, and I said, Jesus, I can't stop this. This is every part of who I am. I smoke while I talk. I'm nervous most of the time. This calms my nerves. I need you to do something I can't do. And then God spoke this simple word to me. If you do what I ask you to do, follow the rules. Remember, as Sister Lauda said, if you do what I ask you to do right now, you will never smoke again. And you know what he asked me to do? Never touch it. The Bible says, make sure your hand does not cause you to sin. It's better to go to heaven missing a hand than to go to hell with both hands. So I took that scripture, and I said, okay, God, you told me not to touch it. I won't touch it ever again. And that was the last time I ever smoked a cigarette. And I have seen people set free in this church. Can I hear an amen from smoking cigarettes and vaping? So don't tell me God will not give you the strength. The same God that showed up in my life when I was 18 years old will show up in your life today. I've seen him do it many times. Can I have the band and altar workers come? Would you stand up and give it up for Jesus today? Come on, somebody say love God. Come on, we're going to talk about loving people next week by his grace. Somebody say I love God. Amen. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Can I get a J? You got your J. You got your. Can I get an E? Can I get an S U S? You got your S U S. What does that spell? Who do we love? What's it about? Who we rep? Who we love 24-7 until we reach heaven.
When I say heaven, y'all say, yeah, heaven, heaven. When I say hell, y'all say, no, hell, hell. When I say holy, you say spiritual, holy, holy. Amen. Y'all love Jesus. Come on. Woo. We love you, Jesus. Now back to the soft music. Thank you, brothers. Father, we thank you for this service today. For those who don't yet love you the way they're supposed to, God. Would you show them that you love them no matter what? If you're here today and you're not yet fully dedicated to Christ, as we close out this service, would you consider giving that whole heart, all your soul, your mind, and your strength to Jesus right now? He won't force you. He's a perfect gentleman. But those of us who already have, our biggest regret is that we didn't do it sooner. A few moments before we go, these altars will be open for anyone who wants to have prayer. Workers pray with them. But just even where you're at right now, whether it's for the first time or for the thousandth time, if you want to love them with everything, would you raise up your hands with me right now and just tell them in your own words, I love you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for sending your your best for giving your best for me thank you for your forgiveness thank you for your love thank you for your second and third and fourth chances now as you're saying that put it in your own words what do you want him to rearrange what do you want him to change in your heart in your mind in your soul in your strength come on I love you Jesus teach me how to be pure in my thoughts teach me how to be patient May I use my strength for good and not for sin. A few moments right now. This is what we were talking about in the service. This is what changes lives. This is why I don't have to do 10 steps to deliverance and 10 steps to this freedom and 10 steps to breaking that addiction. It's one step to Jesus. It's a step of surrender. I give up to give in to your will. Not my will, but your will be done. I throw up my hands in surrender I give up all that I am for Jesus to come in Jesus won't you come won't you come Holy Spirit few moments right now confess your sins to the Lord confess your weakness to Jesus